It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a glorious autumn morning and I'm in a beautiful little town in West Sussex where I spent last night preparing for an interview with, well, one of my heroes, um, the children's author, Julia Donaldson, who lives here and who's going to take me for a walk later to talk about her new book. And as a bonus, her illustrator, Victoria Somday, is going to join us as well. So a bit nervous, to be honest. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Fergus. Come with me for a walk, hopefully in the deep dark woods, to meet Julia and Victoria. And I hope you enjoy our little adventure. Julia, Victoria, how lovely to meet you both on a most stunning day. Thank you for providing the sunshine. Yeah, it's my wedding anniversary as well. So it's a happy anniversary. Um, Where have you brought me? Where is Um, it's woodland near where I live? And um, actually, it's the woods where my, my husband Malcolm and I have done a few homemade videos acting out the Gruffalo in particular. Oh, we really? Fa- yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, where we are now, where all these trees are, there's mostly oaks, I think. That's where we acted the scene with the fox. <laughs> oh, was this before, you, yeah. as you were writing it? So you were no, 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 no. Just, were... it was actually during lockdown, in fact. I, I did this series of little videos based on the books. Um, oh, wow, yeah. OK, fantastic. <laughs> and um, so this is an inspiration. Your latest book is about a tree. Yes, uh, it's, about, it's about an ancient oak tree, isn't it, Victoria? Yeah, it is. Could you tell me a little bit about that? And, and was it inspired by this, these surroundings here? No, it was really inspired by another book that Victoria and I did together about a pine tree, about a very famous conifer, because every year the Norway gives um, a Christmas tree to Britain and it's 
you know, put up in Trafalgar Square. And I was asked to write a poem about that tree, which I did. And then the poem became a picture book with wonderful illustrations by Victoria Is Norwegian. Was that your first project together, then? Yes, that was our first. So Victoria, pine trees are more your thing in Norway, I'm assuming, rather than deciduous. Yes, it is. It's uh, a lot more common to see pine trees than uh, leaf trees. So um, it's lovely to be here today and kind of experience the more woodlandy uh, themes of this book no. because we do have oak trees but yeah they're not as common so and maybe they're different kind because there's lots of different kinds of oaks and i mean I, well having written a book about a thousand year old oak tree doesn't really make me an expert you know I, I don't really know about all the different varieties of oak but i do know that they can live to be very very old. Well, that's. I have read your book, and um, but I'd, would you tell the listeners a little bit about the sort of themes of it and how it how it flows and what 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 can people expect? Yes. Well, um, I wanted the book, you know, to be about a deciduous tree, not another pine tree. And um, previously, I'd had an idea of doing a book about children's clothes through the ages. So I thought this, and that never worked out, so I thought that this would be a good opportunity if I had a thousand-year-old tree and in each verse and each picture you see children in different clothes, depending on the age, playing different games. And I found all sorts of games that relate to oak trees. Um, And I I found out that actually the Romans played hopscotch my tree isn't quite as old as that but so i've got some children with sticks scratching the ground um sticks from the tree you know and um and then i thought we'd have children on every page and animals on every page and i found out there's about i mean i think literally thousands of animals insects birds whose lives depend on the oak tree yeah we've got acorns at our feet everywhere we're walking crunching on them we try not to stand on them because it says it in the book i know it says on the it does say on the book oh there's a what's that what's that that it's the um most boring fungus ever invented it's called i very much like him to be oh okay sorry any incidental any incidental okay well that's aka earth ball and there's the woods are full of them but little else at the moment oh really so as mycologists we're disappointed we are you're a mycologist well amateur amateur mycologist well that's that's far more than i am so that's an earth ball it's little sort of grizzled uh, I'd say it's the size of a large plum, really, just like a, bit like a kind of puffball type creature, isn't it? Good find, good find. Always good to incidental wildlife. We did find a lot of chanterelles here, didn't we, Malcolm, yes. um, the other week? There's, we might take you to this secret patch oh, and well, see if we can well, find, g- and we ate them for breakfast <laughs> the next day. Good. <laughs> can you share that, though? Because aren't people very secretive about their places? Yeah, no, I'm not going to um, give... Directions. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to let anyone. We're going to blindfold you. Yeah. Um, Victoria do do a lot of foraging. In, uh, I always think of Norwegians as quite sort of connected to the land yeah. in terms of food and. Absolutely. So uh, I I grew up uh, uh, close to the forest, so we used to uh, go on walks there every day. And uh, actually, next to our house, there are badgers living. Oh yeah. Uh, which I see sometimes, uh, and there are badgers in the book, which yeah. is uh, yes. Yes, so living in their dens under the tree roots, which is... Yeah, lovely. yeah. On the first page and the last page, there's a sort of continuity. 
Yes, because at the end of the book, the, well, the tree does... Um, it falls, it topples in a storm at the end of the book. Spoiler, but spoiler alert there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you do see... Yes, you see the badgers again, and but... Um, you know, you also see a, n- a new acorn that will grow and uh, go into tree and repeat the cycle of life. And, and, so, and so there's that sense of renewal yes, as, as this yes. old tree goes. Yes, and I didn't want the book to be too sad for children. I mean, it was hard. It was hard actually because I thought of just leaving it with the tree being a mighty oak, you know, hollow, hollow tree that people could I thought even maybe having a seat inside it because some some oak trees do have that don't they um then I thought no I got to be true to life and do the whole life of the tree but I hope the you know <laughs> the, the, the new acorns are making it a hopeful and plus of course when the tree is um just lying down it's still um sustaining all these other lives these fungi and beetles and hedgehogs and things so in, in death it's providing a whole load of extra life food and home and whatever yeah yes. yeah lovely and there's a real sense of time passing quite clearly that the as you say the clothing changes and we go through different periods from from sort of saxon times to yes that's times. right oh you read it very well yeah, very yeah, good yeah, i'm yeah. impressed I'm interested, <laughs> I'm interested in history yes, too yes so. oh, okay yes well it touches on i mean it's not a history book as such but Maybe it'd be a kind of introduction to to very much British history, I suppose, because there's one scene with the Tudors and the children are wearing oak leaf garlands in their hair. And there's another one where a king who's actually Charles the Second oh, yes, is hiding, hiding in the oak. Yeah. I think actually in real life he was supposed to have hidden in the branches of the tree but um, I've used yeah. a bit of artistic license yeah. yeah yeah it's true I, when I researched images for that he was um, there was different Im- uh, images of him sitting in in the tree but that would be uh, where our, our tree was quite big at that point so yes. also uh, and it was hollow so that would yes yeah, make a yes and also because the children on that page are helping him Ah, we've come to the little bit where (laughs) when we acted out the Gruffalo here, this was the um, stepping stones in the pictures of the Gruffalo um, in the scene with the owl I think, um, there are stepping stones across a pond and we've come to a bit it's dried up now it was a, a stream and there's some um, tree stumps here so Malcolm acted the owl didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was a mouse. Are you prepared to be the owl again Mel? <laughs> can, can you do the owl scene? Okay. Okay, he's Malcolm just, he's is just on, positioning himself. On the other side of this um, dried up stream but he's going to... Uh-huh. Where are you going to little brown mouse? Come and have tea in my treetop house. It's frightfully nice of you owl but no I'm going to have tea with a gruffalo. A gruffalo? What's a gruffalo? A gruffalo? Why didn't you know? He has knobbly knees and turned out toes and a poisonous wart at the end of his nose. <laughs> Where are you meeting him? Here, by this stream. And his favourite food is owl ice cream. Owl ice cream! Do it too! Goodbye, little mouse! And away owl flew. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. That was great. That's, thank you very much. Um, thank you, Al. Uh, we've got some... Uh, are these sweet chestnuts, are they? 
or the yeah. sweet chestnut husk. I nearly wrote the book about a chestnut tree, actually, the, 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 oak, the book that mm. turned into the oak tree. Um, and I did a lot of research into chestnut trees because I think they can be very old as well, yeah. can't they? Uh, what struck me reading the book and this passage through time, um, and it really struck home, was gave a sense of how many of how how old these and how much how many human generations had passed and I was thinking about that tree that was cut down in Northumberland the sycamore gap Mm. tree which Mm. um, is absolutely heartbreaking how old was that tree? 300 years Uh, and then I thought about you know people need to read your book to kind of get an understanding that 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 scene huge changes in it probably saw a lot of other trees around it disappear yes yes and that's rather heartbreaking so I know it's just so sad because obviously a tree can't live forever but just to be uh, cut down when it's I mean 300 years it sounds like a long time but probably it was in its prime I yes, mean yeah, plenty, plenty of yeah. life left yeah yes. so it's shocking really but um, I, the question because you, you mentioned you were looking for a, a, a sort of looking for inspiration for the Charles II picture. How closely do you work together in terms of who... who you know, does Julia send you just a brief? Or do, what, what, ha- what happens? How does it work? Well, so, so Julia uh, is uh, almost finished with the text. or So then she sends it to the editor. And uh, then I sort of start working with the editor and the designer uh, on sketches. And then that, those will be sent to Julia. And Julia will give feedback and sort of... That way, back and forth, yeah. Yeah, so we didn't work directly together at all, and this is the first time we met Victor. Yes, it's it's really. Oh, great, that's amazing. We did meet online once, didn't we, on the screen? Yes, for the Christmas pie, we we did meet online. Mm. Fantastic. Um, So, um, well, I mean, gosh, we talked about the book, it's really lovely, it's come to fruition. I've seen the hardback copy. but kind of, I want to go back. How, where did it all go right for you? I mean, what's, what's, how did you get into writing these children's books? And um, really through busking with Malcolm. <laughs> um, we were students together and um, we used to busk. When we were on holiday, we'd busk in the streets of Paris and in Italy as well. And I started writing songs... Um, I did write one song in Italian all about spaghetti, um, which we <laughs> sang in Italy. But when we were back in, we were at university in Bristol, and we we loved, we we missed the sort of buzz of busking. So we um, started getting gigs, and I would write a song, you know, like I wrote one song about teeth for a dentist dinner. And anyway, so I, so I wrote all these songs, and eventually I sent a tape of songs to children's television because I by that stage I'd written some songs for children's events and um, they started using them and then eventually one of those songs A Squash and a Squeeze was made into a book the words of it so my first book was really a song and that's probably why I still tend to write in in verse so from songwriting and from busking came this wonderful well, I suppose it's just a, a, an evolution. Yes, it is an evolution, and then it, and then it's evolved back to not exactly the busking, but back to performing because we do a lot of theatre shows. Um, and yeah, so it's a bit like um, nature, no, that yeah. sort of. Um, Can we expect to see you busking around the uh-huh. corners of street corners uh-huh. of Europe again? Uh, no, I don't think we. Just take through the woods. Yeah. The hatch around, no, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but we do still do stuff in. I mean, we've just been in. 
and the Netherlands and we were doing an event in a, a bookshop there. And today I'm going to be doing a book signing, signing the Oak Tree book in my local bookshop. And Malcolm will be there um, entertaining the signing queue um, by singing some of our songs. Oh, fantastic. So you've got... This is quite... Oh no, it's Saturday, it's Saturday morning. Um, so as we're going for this walk, so it may be that there'll be some which haven't yet been found been by plundered. other foragers okay. here. Right. And it's much oh, better going... Oh, oh my goodness. <gasps> oh, Ray. We found Shantara. Okay. Oh, we haven't brought a basket. There's such a beautiful colour, aren't there? Yeah, it's a sort of peachy, orangey, yellow. Uh, it's it's lovely. Apricot. And they, apricot I think they is, kind yes, of yeah. smell a bit of apricot. Oh, apricot. Oh, Ray. Oh, well, that's a find. Foraging mushrooms with Juliet and Malcolm. Oh, I get so excited, but um, but then it's awful if you don't find any more. I suppose it's like a... You just have a very small snack. Yeah, because um, yeah, they, they really shrink to almost nothing. I'm going to leave these smaller ones. Um, yeah. Oh, to, good to find. Well spotted. There should be some more if you've got the time. Yes, we'll go yeah. further down. Um, nature and wildlife, very much part of your... Of every book, I think, that you've written. Yes, particularly um, flowers, actually. Um, I mean, I grew up in London, but... Whoops, you turned oh, oh, that's just in... Oh, oh, sorry. What's that? Is that that's a, an earth ball that I... That's an earth ball. That's all right. Yeah, OK, I, I'll try. I'll, Avoided the big ones. On <laughs> They're not our favourite. <laughs> yeah, um... Yes, we always went on holiday to a village in Wiltshire, and, um... I just I remember particularly discovering toad flax. Oh yeah. This lovely um yellow snap like a mini snapdragon and um and I had the I Spy Book of Wildflowers and um learnt all their names and uh, yeah, now I'm I'm very, very into into wildflowers. And tell me how important that is to to convey that in your in your books and your, your, your um, writing your songs and your Well actually, um I'm not really trying to specially convey anything or teach a lesson when I write, but I'm really pleased because there are some lovely books, nature books, books of nature activities now, um, that have been brought out which have activities related to my book. So there's one with um, Gruffalo and other... I forget the other books in that one, and one with Snail and the Whale... Mama Stickman activities for children, and I, I really am keen. Oh look, I think Malcolm Swanson. Oh yeah, they're, wow, they're, so little, they're very little. Um, but okay. Oh, chanterelles again. More chanterelles. See if we can find some. Well, it's good to kind of get get your eye in it to be taught how to look for. Elisa chanterelles are, are lovely. This lovely bright orange colour. But having said that, I have to add that. You know, yellow in a little bit further into autumn, there are leaves that are that colour, and then there's little patches of sunlight filtered through the branches that can be that colour. So, so that's a bit annoying. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of mir- Yes. Fantastic. There's quite a few, but they are quite little. We'll see if we can find some bigger ones. Um. Do you worry about children's connection with nature? I mean, I, I yes, I do, because um, sometimes when I do school visits, we've got a particular book um, about nature. It's, um, 
and well, I, I won't go into the whole story of the book, but it involves me bringing in some different kinds of nuts and flowers, and I find that the children and even the teachers sometimes don't know the name of a bluebell, a dandelion, a, you know, quite common flowers that I'm sure all the children in my class at school, even though it was in London, knew. And I think, actually, maybe this is a bit controversial, but I think that children should be allowed to pick flowers. Not Obviously not ones that are endangered species, but it's not nearly so interesting for a child to just look at a photograph. Oh, of goodness, or, no. No, no. Okay. so I think, I mean, that's how I loved them. I... I I remember once picking, a friend of mine picked all the bluebells in her garden and sold them on the street. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that children go around, Commercial, you know, uh, no, no, or, or even, you know, because yeah. bluebell woods are so beautiful and bluebells aren't, they don't really thrive very well in vases. That's quite a good sized chestnut there. I mean, you'd oh. probably get a bit of, bit of something out of that. Okay. Uh, yeah, these look a little bit, bit bigger and better here. So yes. then you'd roast them. Then. Yeah, um, roast. I boil them. Boil uh, them. Yeah, boil them, and then and but then, then you have to peel them. Peel the skin off, and then you then you use them in sort of risottos and things. Yeah, like that, which is quite so nice. Good. But um, yeah, otherwise you can roast them, and they're they're just quite small. That's the British yes. chestnuts. So will they get you know late about a month or so? You might get some bigger ones. Yeah, I think it's just these have come down, and these are, feels quite early for chestnuts. Yes. But we're, we're very late. So this is the last day of September, so we're... This disturbed patch of land that we're at now is where we recently have found some chanterelles, so oh. I can see Malcolm... He's stalking. Oh, look, there's another fungus. Um, is this chicken of the woods? I can't Oh, I think it, it is, um, yeah. No, what, yeah. is it? No, it's not. It's, I think it is chicken of the woods, Oh, it probably yes. is, but it's very... It's been eaten by something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fox of the woods has eaten chicken of the woods. <laughs> Oh, you found some more. Well, no, Great. I, didn't, I didn't. No. Oh, was that the old one? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, um, is that one there? You see, there's something orangey there, but it's probably just a leaf or a wretched earth ball, mini earth ball. Yeah, yeah. Try not to step they are on similar colour. Yeah. Um, so that's an issue. People not recognising some of the simple wildlife because I'm assuming so they're looking at yes, your books and going, Yes, what I think somehow, I don't quite know why, but I think there's a great pleasure to be found in identifying and naming um, plants or whatever and, and then and then you get keen on them you get to love them and I think there's such a lot of talk about saving the planet but you, you want <laughs> I want children to know who else is on this planet with us you know not just um, animals but Plants and and fungi as well. Yeah. And, uh, why why yeah. do we need to save the planet? Mm. So uh, Victoria, in Norway, are children connected with nature? Do you think? Do you feel? Having heard what Julia has said about clear disconnection, yeah, unable I, to name mm. basic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I think it's. Um, uh, I don't know what you if you have them here, but we have something called a, a nature kindergarten. Mm. So then you would be very uh, have that as a, a theme going through your your years while you're there so I think then you'll you'll be a lot outside I did not go on to one myself but I think the children there really thrive in doing that so um we call it is that the same as forest school must be like forest school mm -hmm. yeah Probably, which is, which yeah. is you know, it happens but it's, there's not enough of it, of it no are there, are there quite uh, not, not that many of them then in the country 
Um, yeah, um, there are, I think, more and more schools, if they've got a playground that where they can um, use a, co- a corner of it to grow things, they, they are doing that, aren't they? And we're very proud of it. And we've got a daughter-in-law who um, has created a, a sort of community company called Little Wild Things, and she oh. gets children. It's not really teaching them about nature per se, but it's playing games and getting muddy and um, yeah, essential yeah, parts of just yeah, it's playing out of doors like children, I suppose, used to do. Were you was your sorry. dedication in the book, wasn't it, Julia? Little, um, little wild things. Oh yes, that's right. Was that the oak tree I dedicated? Yeah, to little yeah, wild things. Yes, yes. Um, so, um, did you uh, were, were any of these stories inspired by playing out with your own children or with your own um, relations? Well, I certainly did play out of doors a lot. Um, we lived very near Hampstead Heath, and I used to like climbing trees and so on. Um, and I do remember, actually, I have a very early m- memory of finding acorn cups and seeing squirrels scampering about the branches. So I think that just, it's always there as part of your makeup, and it indirectly has inspired the stories, but not it's not a sort of direct inspiration. The thing is that my father um, got polio when he was um, when I was about six um, but we lived in a house where there was also an aunt and uncle and a grandmother so this is my sister and me so um, you know I, I, I have memories of my uncle taking me out onto the heath but certainly my mother taught me the names of lots of flowers. I remember her teaching me about Colt's foot and there was a song she sang of, of um, <laughs> um, daisies are our silver buttercups are gold this is all a treasure we may have or hold <laughs> that, that's an early that's memory lovely. that's lovely and, <laughs> and so having that sort of encouragement creating this fertile sort of state for you to Yes. Not be afraid of nature to to kind of make it part of your everyday life. Do you think that's had a big that's had a big influence, clearly? In, yeah. In sort of, yes. Um, but then you, you know, if one generation hasn't experienced that. It's harder for them to pass it on to the next generation. Yeah. What do you think the eventual consequences are of of not having that connection to to nature? But but this is a question for both of you, really. The consequences mm. of not being connected to nature are. Uh, well, I think that uh, maybe you won't be as careful in nature uh, if you don't know really the value. So maybe with, I don't know, littering or something, that could be a big issue. Uh, I was wondering, yeah. actually, Victoria, if you're, you know, because you're, you're so good at drawing animals and trees, and um, why is that, is that, does that come from uh, your sort of love of nature, or is it more just... Yeah, you you tell me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you've got to pay the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it must come uh, from uh, growing up so close to a forest. So we uh, had to sort of uh, cross uh, uh, the uh, dangerous rail tracks and then would come to, to the forest. Um, and then uh, uh, we actually did go on quite a few trips uh, during uh, school to, because that was also quite close. So I think um, a lot of that has just resulted in, yeah, just a lot of inspiration and love of drawing. So you, ha- you, you grew up 
quite rurally in, in Norway or relatively yeah. close to it. Yeah, very close, yeah. yeah. And um, did you draw a lot as a child? Yeah, I did. I did draw a lot, but it didn't really, uh, it didn't become a passion until I was 12. Um, and I remember my, my first drawings was, uh, a few of them were of, uh, yeah, of nature and trees and animals and, uh, yeah, and stuff like that. We had also squirrels quite close outside, so which are lovely creatures to draw. Were they red squirrels or grey squirrels? They were red, yeah. Um, Yeah, for for people listening, a couple of questions for you. Uh, How would you describe your illustrative style? It's a tough one. It is a tough one. Uh, No, um, what I I like to focus on is um, um, creating an atmosphere, especially through light. So I love using light. Um, And that was something I I saw uh, researching for the oak tree. Uh, how how the light and the sunlight filters through the branches and hit the trunk or the on the ground and uh, yes uh, other style I'm not quite sure how to uh, I I think I just uh, because we we were told not to worry so much about style yeah. I think it just comes with practice. So I suppose that leads on to my other question. How do you become an illustrator? Particularly <laughs> children's books. For, for someone who... My son is 14 and he's doing art. Is he? I mean, how would he... Where would he start if he wanted to be an illustrator? Not that that's what he wants to do at the moment, but maybe I can go back with some ideas for him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I think it's just keeping... Keep drawing, because it comes... It really comes with practice. Uh, and uh, especially drawing things he enjoy to draw. And um, tanks, yeah. tanks and soldiers. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Not nature. <laughs> well, we had you've got a very <coughs> talented. Well, of course, all our grandchildren incredibly talented. But um, this particular one's very good at drawing. But when he was about four or five, all he would draw ever was Batman. You know, and um, and at nursery school, they you'd get his report. Uh, you know, they wrote in a book every day what he'd been doing. Today we made puppets. What's your puppets, Vincent? It's Batman. Okay, <laughs> and, and then the next day we did some something out of plasticine. Vincent's plasticine Batman was great. <laughs> well, it's what you say, practice. So what was your first break then as an illustrator? It, your um, first sort of paid job? First pay job. Uh, that was uh, a part of a collection with uh, Ladybird. So I did a um, sort of Norwegian uh, uh, story about um, uh, Odin, like an. Uh, yeah, the gods. Yeah, the yeah. gods, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Loki. Yes, okay. so, so we know him through yeah, modern, right. modern adventures yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But was that after you trained? Because you trained in this country, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. did I, you? Oh, I trained okay. in Falmouth. Right. So, um, yeah, it was it, it was a result of a, a, a this, um, what do you call it, a, an exhibition. So, um, yeah, that was it was good. Uh, I think coming straight out of university, it was a bit of pressure doing that because I, I knew that oh, I need to do this well. Uh, so I think I think the pressure become a bit too uh, a bit too much because uh, yeah well uh, I when it came out it was kind of it was strange looking at it in in a book actually in a book I don't know how you felt about the first time Julia with your first book 
Yeah, it was a bit different because my first book was a song before, but so, yeah, and then it's different for me as well because these pictures get added to my words and that that can be a bit strange, you know, mm. if I've envisaged something one way and... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because sometimes, mm. you, you sometimes think, oh, goodness, that's not how I thought yeah, at all. but usually I just come around and usually I think, oh, oh, that's what he or she looks like. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, okay. I get <laughs> who I had in mind. From all your books that you've written, and you've written many, many, do yeah. you have a favourite character? Oh, a favourite character? Well, um, do they have to be uh, favourite in the sense of being likeable? No, 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 okay. no. I think entirely well, your definition of that. OK, well, one of my favourites is actually a character called... Princess Mirabelle, Mirabelle, because she comes out of the mirror and she's a bit um, boastful and she gets, she's a little bit like Pippi Longstocking but slightly less likeable probably and um, she's one of my favourites. Which story is she in? Well, she, I've written a few collections of stories about her, in fact they've been televised and yeah. I got to act in a couple of the episodes oh, right. as a children's writer oh. um, so <laughs> I had a lot of research Quite necessary for that. Quite a lot of method, done a yeah. lot of method <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I like her because I was probably a fairly well-behaved child and it, writing about her brought out my kind of naughty streak, you know yeah. Um, she, she's very uh, got a woodpecker above uh, us here. She elaborates yeah. on her life in Mirrorland, and you're never quite sure um, what's. So real. she's not a she's not a sort of she, she's a complex character. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, because she can, they can be a bit more complex if the story's a little bit longer. I'd say when I'm writing a picture book, really most of the characters could be summed up in two adjectives, like you know, the, say the. The Gruffalo is big and stupid and nice as little and clever. And then the illustrator makes them look and seem more complex. So I get letters from children saying, how did you think up this character? And really, when I'm writing a, you know, for younger children, it's more about the storyline then you know you need strong characters but they don't have to be terribly three-dimensional got to be a plot there's mm, got to be yes, a sort of yes. yeah yeah narrative arc yes. but the illustrator there's pressure on the illustrator then to cool. create the character <laughs> or to, uh, to add extra character to well uh, for the books that we've done together it's it's sort of a different vibe than um with uh, julia and axel because it's uh it's a bit more uh, th- the main character is a tree yes and it's uh it's been important not to make the tree too... Uh, I mean, it's still a character, but it's not a moving... And well, I was interested no. because Stickman, obviously... Is yes, a, it's a, very you, different you, you, from Stickman. Yeah. Like, Stickman is actually alive and, and can talk and, you know, and has a family, and it's, total, it's fantasy, really. Uh, I mean, it's still got a basis in children's play because my children love playing... With sticks and a stick could become anything in their minds. You know, it could be a violin or it could be a sword or yes. whatever. Um, but yes, as Victoria was saying in our books that we've done together, the tree is a central character, and I was delighted that she didn't make the tree, didn't kind of try to give it a nose and a mouth. Some googly eyes. You know, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um. We're looking through a very dense thicket here, aren't we? I think we're lost, getting lost in the Good. deep, dark woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favourite? We're talking about favourites. Do you have a favourite place in the UK that you particularly go back, apart from this particular woodland? Is mm. there somewhere that you magical for you 
Where, where would you say Malcolm's is? I mean, we used to live in Scotland and, um, you know, I think just um, some of the Scottish islands and the lochs and the mountains in Scotland. The Aberfoyle Forest. Oh, lovely, yes. Aberfoyle Forest. Mm. Oh, I used to love that, going up there for the... I don't know, that's a bit too... The chanterelles. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's the mushrooms yes. that have got mm. Uh, Jay, Jay is squawking away here. It's uh, wants to be part of the part of the show. Lots of I, I think for yeah. me, I I although I do love the wildness of Scotland. What I especially love, and maybe this is because I grew up in London, and love going up to the countryside. I love styles, and I love footpaths, and that ancient feeling that this footpath has been here for centuries and maybe people went from the farm to the church along I don't really like yellow arrow trails that are in modern trails you know okay. I like I like there to be a bit of history so how about how about you Victoria is there a particular favorite place it doesn't have to be the UK obviously well since I, I did since I studied in in uh, in Cornwall I we had some lovely walks along the along the shore from going from a village to another so I have some really fond memories from that on the coast path yeah, yeah the yeah. coast path yeah oh, brilliant brilliant okay. yeah so that was lovely mm. lots of gruffalo trails all over Britain how do you feel yeah. about that well that I think that's a really good way of you know like we were talking about getting children interested in nature I think it's nice for children when they go for a walk to have some motivation because I although I I'm saying I love nature, but actually, I do remember sometimes moaning when I was taking it. <laughs> and I think if children yes. have something, if it's a trail and they need to spot certain landmarks, or I think there's geocache things yes, must be exciting for children as well. Treasure hunts, basically. Yeah. So yes. I guess the, the, the Gruffalo trails are treasure hunts for. Yeah, so I think there's also Zog trails and Stickman trails, there's not just the Gruffalo. Yeah. Maybe we'll have an oak tree. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Your writing has inspired Forestry Commission and yeah. other and other organisations to to. That must be quite a feeling. To well, plus you know, like the theatre companies and the film companies that make the plays and, for, and I do have to pinch myself sometimes. Yeah, that's a strange oh. feeling, I guess. Of quite uh, waking up in the morning, you know, what an influence you've had, ripple effects of, of your writing. It's, it's a bit, in a way, it's a bit scary because you know you feel you've got to uh, you know I think when you when you're kind of established you feel every book's got to be your best book and uh, every, like you're only probably, as good as your last book yeah well I so we talked a lot about favorite things um, we talked a lot about the countryside there's a lot of things happening in the countryside, not all of it positive. Uh, do you have a sort of rural issues that if you had a magic wand, what, what would you change about the countryside? And uh, this is to both of you, if you had. I think I would. This isn't exactly the countryside, but um, I don't like seeing these sort of over fertilised, dull fields with a lack of variety of. Oh, I'd yes. love to. Br- I'd love there to be more meadows, really, wildflower meadows. I mean, I, you know, I know there are still. We, we're lucky in England, anyway, to have. Pat- we still, to some extent, got that patchwork of fields and the hedgerows. Um, 
but I don't think there's as many wildflower meadows as there used to be. So no, I think yeah. it's quite. I think it's like 97% have been lost. In the, in the, how about you, Victoria? Is there issues in Norway that make you feel make your blood boil? Mm, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, it's 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 difficult to avoid, but it's just because we we uh, the population is growing, so uh, that kind of uh, may, uh, t- uh, takes a turn on nature, doesn't it? Because yeah. it's the it pressure just, the whole time. Yeah, yeah uh, which is very it's sad. Uh, and I see if I see places uh, where that I used to go to that suddenly look completely different uh, because a lot of a lot of new things have been built over something that was originally uh, a nice spot of forest. Yeah, that's that's really sad. <laughs> I, I find that a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm 50, almost 52, and I've seen so many precious childhood places lost to developments. Mm-hmm. It's 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 hard to it's hard to kind of keep the faith sometimes when you when you lose precious things, particularly that are personally beautiful. But, um, no, I get that. Mm-hmm. But let's ha- end on a on a happier note. Yeah. Um, yeah. We always ask our guests for a favourite picnic item. When you're out and about, mm-hmm. not that we're having lunch today, mm-hmm. but when we've got some chanterelles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have a favourite? Favourite picnic? Yeah. Do, do you? Uh, I, I'll think a little bit about it. Well, I was we where I live. Once a month, there's a farmers market, and there's a lovely fish store. I don't know if they're really farmers actually, yeah, but yeah. Um, and sort of recently, I bought some lovely um, fresh prawns and crab meat and, and hot salmon and had some lovely seafood on a picnic perfect perfect mm. no, one's, no one's said that before so that's a good <laughs> okay uh, I'll have a, I, I, I have an idea okay. uh, I, there are two, two things but one is actually well, I talked to Julia yesterday scotch eggs a scotch egg yeah uh, okay. because yeah. they're really good I, do I, you I, have them in Norway no we don't so I always like eat a lot of them when I come here <laughs> uh, and the other thing is my, my mom makes a really good uh, jam from her garden uh, berries and uh, rhubarb and stuff like that so yeah take, those two things take a pot of jam and a scone <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that would be great yeah. excellent <laughs> great um, very lastly we, you've got a f- there's a film out at Christmas it's not The Oak Tree but it's another mm. another of your books yeah um, it's, um, it's Tabby McTatt um, Tabby so McTatt yeah, as, so as I stumble over a <coughs> tree stump um, yeah I'll try and walk a bit you're, you're walking backwards no, no, <laughs> getting me a bit worried um, yes Tabby McTatt it's a story about a busker and a cat who get separated. They sing in the streets together, just like Malcolm and I used to do. And um, oh, so there is direct inspiration. Yes, yes, definitely. And uh, and also, I'm a great cat lover, and um, we've now, in fact, just got two quite new cats. They're only about nine months old, brother and sister, um, and we've called them Tabitha and McTat after <laughs> after right. the the book, which is called Tabby McTat. How does it make you feel when you sit down on Christmas Day and see your... Well, I hope it'll be on Christmas Day. We never actually find out for sure till the Radio Times is published. I think Malcolm's led us astray here. <laughs> We're lost. Well, I think it's that way, isn't it? Or so well, we could go up there and turn left, well, we whichever were... you... It's a nice forest to get lost left. in. Yeah, it's really peaceful and very... Uh, 
it's, it's good. It's going to be fun. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just recording That's a thank you. It's really, really <laughs> enjoyable. Well, you thank you for bringing me out to this really woodland. Different. Well, imagine that. Imagine my luck being lost in the deep dark wood with Julia Donaldson. Mm. That's incredible. <laughs> I just can't. I had such a brilliant time. Foraging as well. We went, I mean, what you couldn't see was they were constantly foraging for chanterelles. I know that it was mentioned a lot, but wow. What, uh, just, just a perfect day. And I'm so grateful to Julia, her husband, Malcolm, and to Victoria Sunday, for, who was who's just joined in the fun. Talking about joining in the fun, <laughs> I've got the lovelies, two beautiful people in the podcast studio with me. It's Hannah and Jack. Lovely to see you both again. Hello. And to you, it feels like a long time. It has been a long time. And we've not, we've all been a bit ill and, and, and off and overworked. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I saw you the other day. Here's what That's I'm... true. Yeah, you saw me on the <laughs> Too much screen. for me, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Jack, Jack, Jack. I know. I know you. I know. Well, um, deep dark woods for you. <laughs> uh, I, I are you fans of? I mean, this is a leading question, but have you, have you read? Okay, let me put this a different way. Have you read lots of the of Julia's work? Are you familiar with the Gruffalo and other stories? I, I am. I'm of the age where I've got a younger brother uh, who's two years younger, so I think he hit peak just as they started to kind of the thing they are today. Okay, <clears throat> and so I unintentionally kind of got introduced to them through there, and then I remember going on walks with a family, and you see a pile of logs and be like oh there's a little snake in there Aww. and then obviously as time's gone on i know they've been on bbc they've uh, animated them and I like, I like to give them a little watch and uh because there's even like obviously started with a gruffalo and it, it, you've got the highway rat and i didn't oh, yeah. read that but it was made on bbc so i gave that one a watch so i'm still getting very it. charming films they very. feel very christmassy mm. i feel like they're, they're kind of the same vibe as wallace and gromit mm, they've yes. got that sort of warm yeah Family, yeah, animated sort of. They're kind stories generally. I think there's yeah. a sort of warmth about them. Hmm. So Hannah, I've seen a photo of you with, <laughs> with a gruffalo. Oh, yes. I couldn't tell which one was the gruffalo. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, my best friend and I. Uh, there is a kind of gruffalo trail in Western Ar- Arboretum, yeah. and they've got so, what I imagine must be life-size <laughs> um, statues of the gruffalo and the mouse, the fox, uh, fox, and the, the owl. owl, snake. And you can go and find them. That's really wonderful. I mean, she mentioned that, that there are all these trails have sprung up. I, can you imagine like having <laughs> that, that, that sort of impact on the landscape because of your writing? Yeah, it's, it's even amazing. The Gruffalo, at Western, but I, I know originally it was like a big trail that you had to go around and find them. And I think now they are sort of more clumped in, mm, a, yeah. in a certain space. But it's always the busiest space yeah. of the Arboretum. You can guarantee, and I don't think I've ever been there, and then not be anyone there already. There's the a... evil looks that we have to give children to be able to stand next to the gruffalo to have that picture taken. <laughs> Don't give them to Hannah. <laughs> Hannah tried and, and the gruffalo. Um, I, obviously, those are for children. I mean, I, I know that you're quite interested in the impact on the, so how we get children into, into yeah, nature. It's just, yeah, I feel like um, it's kind of a loss for children in lots of ways to not have this understanding of the natural world around them. And it's and I don't think that it's just necessarily because of the well-being aspect of kind of being able to spend time in the outdoors, but there's also the, the science element, the natural history kind of biology and botany that you get from knowing and understanding how nature works. It's a really good grounding in 
sciences. Mum and dad, were your parents inter- got, got you interested in... My mum particularly, yeah. yeah. Um, so she had a background in... Um, she has a background in zoology and botany. Um, and so my brother and I, when we were little, we were encouraged to go on walks with checklists. It's another thing that Julia was talking about, kind of mm. encouraging children to kind of go out and giving them an incentive. So this is something that I still do on walks is I'll go and see something interesting, put it in my pocket and immediately take it to my mum and be like, oh, look at this, look at this thing that I found. Even if I understand what That's it is. so sweet. Um, then we, we were holding those objects and we were able then to talk about what these objects were and how, so even like how a pebble is shaped by the moving of the tide. And you just end up getting this whole idea of the cycle and the way everything fits into itself and so when you lose a species then you understand how that has an impact on everything else and so yeah i think it's it's so important mrs tribe this is good parenting here because <laughs> this is a, that, that's a lovely thing to, yeah. to have that connection i think maybe that's it i was, I was lucky i had a, an aunt who was uh, and an uncle uh who, who were both bro- well, brother and sister but they were incredibly interested in the natural world and very generous with sharing it and just that whole sort of sense of come out and have a look it's wonderful and once you get that in your bones, like you clearly you have as well, Jack, it's like you're outdoorsy people. It's Although I try that with my son all the time to take him out. And, and actually, if you listen to last week's episode, I succeeded. <laughs> it's a cracker. <laughs> but, um, and now he knows he's a, he's a podcast star. He wants to announce again. But um, it's, it's quite hard sometimes to motivate him. Well, I found that when I was very little, I was very into it. And then when I got to about kind of 11, 12, I was too cool for it. And then I came back to it when I was probably about 16, 17. Oh, so, really? So yeah. that's quite quick to come back to it. I, I, yeah. You're a nerd, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you ever lose it. The other recommendation is Tabby McTat, Julia Donaldson's oh, uh, yes. busking story, which is based on, as you heard, it was sort of based on her and her husband busking around Europe. That is this Christmas's Julia Donaldson story. I'm excited. So that's, that's something to look out for. Obviously, this Julia's story, we've got the book here, The Oak Tree, Julia's Story. And we will, we've got it signed. I got it signed by Julia. And we're going to give this away in the next couple of weeks for our, the very best <laughs> sound of the week or email that we get. It's got to be good because I've got my eyes on it. <laughs> this, is, this is a fabulous hardback. It's beautiful. It's, it's got gold sort of leaf traced on it. It's just Quite literally gold leaf. Gold leaf, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I, as I mentioned in the podcast with Julia, we're all still reeling from that that terrible tale of the of the loss of the sycamore gap, sycamore tree up on Hadrian's Wall. Now, there's so much news about it, and I don't think we need to go over the whole thing again. It's developing but, very quick as well, because I know yeah. I think it originally broke the day we did our last that's podcast right. recording, so yeah. it's, even now it's still pretty fresh, and the mm-hmm. amount of stuff that's happened between then and now... Yeah. It's, I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to go on for a little while and keep chopping and changing. And Well, I was wondering if you'd sort of... Chopping and changing. On <laughs> so, oh, chat. God, that was poor. Oh, I've embarrassed <laughs> myself okay. there. Oh, dear. Um, I, well, I'm, do, do you know what's going to happen next with it? Because I, I, I know there was a, someone planted a sapling which was removed. Yes. I'm, well, I'm feeling kind of hopeful. Are you? Yeah. Well, Roots that, are still there. Yeah. Still a decent amount of trunk. I feel like it will coppice it will come back there's no reason why it should as far as i'm aware i don't think it was poisoned in any way so there's a good chance that it could regrow i guess it's trying to turn it into a positive isn't it so 
coppice. So for those who don't know what coppicing is, when trees are cut down, it's shoots. Is yeah. that shoots come out of the stump, small shoots to start with, and then they, they, you get like several trunks at once. I've seen it happen quite a lot with some trees that have been cut down due to ash buyback. Oh, and the ash is yeah, thrown back. It's, yeah, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I have cut down some sycamore trees in my time with a chainsaw because I used to live up on the hill. No, I used to live, I used to have a a little small holding, a micro holding, and it had had a small woodland which needed to be managed. And I remember how quickly the sycamores grew back. Mm. So actually what you said, Hannah, means it does fill me with hope that Mm. they, you know, within a year there were six foot, taller than me, and within seven, the, the, the time I lived there, there was a, a tree had come back. It wasn't the same tree, obviously. It was like a like a sort of upturned, like a basket, really. Yeah. Trees are resilient. Yeah. I think it's gonna it's gonna spark some conversations because I think there's a lot of stuff from it. Like I think there's the whole thing of this is one tree. Like yes, it's it means something to a load of people, but it's there's stuff like this happening everywhere. Mm. The stuff's yeah. being cut down. Other things that are happening that aren't getting as much attention as this one tree. And I guess it's all those conversations about actually those people that protect this stuff. Actually, is that protection enough or is that actually causing more threat? <laughs> Which should we, yeah, we'd be taking, uh, not taking stuff for granted. Because mm. it's on National Trust. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. National Trust of keeping a careful eye. Because yeah. obviously people, are, as, as I mentioned, people have gone up and planted saplings and yeah. tried to do, you know, doing what they think is right but perhaps that's not what yeah i kind of love the idea of them may- maybe taking the section that's been cut off and turning it into kind of objects that can be bought to raise more money for the national oh, trust that's clever. um is that, that, is that your idea yeah well so oh, yes and no <laughs> i think we um, need to <laughs> so national trust if you're listening <laughs> um it happened uh that's in my village idea. when i was very small obviously not under the same circumstances but a large tree fell i think it was in the churchyard or something and someone took the tree and they had a lathe and they turned them into into apples and you could buy one of these wooden apples and it raised money for the church it was a lovely thing we've still got it i think we've moved this story along that's, <laughs> that's a brilliant idea <laughs> Thank you I think that, I, yeah there's... no that's a brilliant idea <laughs> so, so of... much that can be done and i think there are probably options that mean that tree doesn't have to come back i think there's a lot of focus on trying to bring back the tree it's never going to happen we can replant one and something can come back but maybe just leaving it as it is now it, it, this mm. thing has happened maybe there's other stuff we can do around it. Is it stuff like actually have some way of doing an event there or do something like that to to celebrate what it was, like you said, to then raise funds to be able to plant more trees everywhere else that in another 200 years, one of those is going to be the next celebrated tree that people love. Hopeful. You, you two are so wonderfully hopeful. Spread the love. Really, <laughs> Spread the love. Really, that, that's great. Also, branch it, out the love. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> um, Leaf it out. <laughs> it made me watch uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And like, that's only a good thing. That's a great film. Yes. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how they get from... Uh, <laughs> Don't talk about the geography. We're not interested in the geography. We're interested yeah. in Alan Rickman being a legend. Okay. Yeah. But they do get from the uh, White Cliffs of David to transform <laughs> in one evening, um, which is quite amazing. Uh, but there we go. That's the next podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be trying to repeat Kevin Costner's... Mighty uh, Height. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, this brings me on to on, on happy news. We'll, we always have a little section in the podcast chat where we sort of say what we've been up to in the countryside. And, well, Hannah, because we haven't seen you for, like, eons, we must have been doing something. <laughs> uh... 
<laughs> I don't recovering mostly, um, but part of that recovering has involved a lot of sleeping, and sleeping has involved hearing owls outside my bedroom window. Really, yeah. in Bristol? In Bristol. Oh my goodness! Um, I'm quite close to a kind of nature reserve area, and female, I think female, tawny owls. So the kewik noise a lot of that that's the female that's is it the, the female and it, what does the, how does the male get the male goes through oh there we go Jack. it's like we've got a lovely pair of owls in the, yeah um, lovely you're lucky you so you yeah. had a chance to really nice worth getting ill <laughs> in a way are you i probably would have been a pet anyway but are, yeah are you better i'm getting there i don't know if listeners can hear how phlegmy i am right now but <laughs> yeah i'll be better it's soon. good good to have you back Thank jack you very much. um any any adventures I did see some bird action. Um, okay. I mean, you might be able to shed some light on it. I can try, but uh, um, my skills are a bit rusty after a couple of weeks. This is going to share my knowledge. In my street, there's a, I'm going to say, a club of birds. that they There's quite a lot of them always hang around together. Blackbirds. Yeah. Kind yeah. of um, always fly in a group. Uh, jackdaws, I Darlings? think. Darlings? That's, oh, quite, yeah, that's yeah, quite small. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Might, might be, you might be starlings. starlings. Yeah. Are they flying together? In, yeah. And they like land on the roof all together in a line. Hannah's right. Starlings. Yeah, yeah. Starlings. Pointed little pointy wings. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They so they there's been since we moved to this house they've been around. It's, I know their neighbours really good with their like bird feeders and stuff like that. And uh, so they was around. And then the other day I was in the kitchen, looked out the window, and next door they have like sort of like a palm tree sort of tree or something. And they were all in that. And I don't know what they were going for. But it was just like a few of them would be sat there like nibbling into it. Then they would swap out. The next one would come in and have a little nibble. Weird uh, to see this tree that was just made out of birds. Essentially, <laughs> a bird nice, tree. nice. Well, good to have good numbers of starlings. Yeah, they're, they're not a common bird these days. And what have you been up to, Fergus? Not a lot. A bit like you, I've been struck down by the big COVID. But I'm going to take you back a couple of weeks when I was where I caught COVID, uh, Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like tales of the unexpected. <laughs> um, yeah, wonderful trip. And so I did go for a lovely walk with my brother on the mountain, which is right beside Sofia. And last week I played the sounds of alpine swifts that were in the town. Pretty amazing. But this bird is completely new to me. Sounds quite like a crow now I yeah. listen to it. It is of the crow family, but it's a very grizzled brown and white bird, which I guess cracks nuts. We didn't actually see any, but we heard them all the time we were walking. So the nutcracker. Well, Sweet, hey? Mm. But we'd like to hear more of your sounds. Uh, if you've been out and about, your sightings and happenings. Send us emails if you've spotted something. Maybe you can record something. Just a lovely recording of a local stream. We love it. We love it. So send it in. We'll play it to all the rest of our thousands of listeners out there. And the very best one, we'll get The Oak Tree, signed by Julia Donaldson and illustrated by Victoria Sunday. That was fun. Good to see you both. I hope you've enjoyed listening, everyone out there. Join us again next week for another lovely adventure. But for now, it's goodbye from me and the podcast team.